The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 675 for May 19th, 2019. Vodafone announces its 5G timeline in the UK, sizing up the OnePlus 7 Pro, and Apple releases iOS 12.3. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court this week ruling that an antitrust lawsuit can proceed against Apple for the way that it runs its app store. Today's ruling only affirms that the consumers bringing the suit have the right to do so. It does not touch on the merits of the case. It will now proceed in lower courts, which could take years. Uh, And the issue is whether Apple can require that apps be purchased through its store, where it takes, of course, a 30% cut and imposes rules on pricing that may inflate prices as a result. Now, uh, obviously, a very uh, interesting uh, uh, fact that this has gone to or will be allowed to go to trial. And uh, what I kind of think about this is we're going to see a a process that's going to drag out and ultimately there will be a settlement that will come at the end. Uh, yes, and yes, and maybe not, but probably that'll be the case. It's quite, uh, this is quite a, a challenging uh, situation here. We've talked about this in the past uh, a few times, but, y- you know, this this model that Apple runs is, it's very unique um, in the way that it's done. I mean, if you can imagine like a, a grocery store, for example, yes, some uh, companies pay to have their stuff on the end caps, but for the most part, you know, the store just buys things and puts it in and, you know, customers come. But the way the app store is run is, you know, completely different. It's a completely locked off thing. Apple has all of the uh, rights. They can, you know, they have a bunch of restrictions on what you can and cannot do. They can, you know, at whim just pull things if they feel it doesn't meet their needs and needs, you know, their, their terms change. And all of a sudden your your app could get pulled down. And it's it's and then, of course, off of everything, they take a 30% cut. I mean, yes, they're running the store for you. You don't have anything to do as a developer other than, you know, update the application, but you don't have a choice like you do on Windows and Mac OS and even Android. Yeah, and the uh, the flip side of this is, as a consumer, as a user of it, you are, I don't want to say guaranteed, but you've got a greater sense of uh, security and confidence in the applications that you're installing because they've been vetted and are being monitored by Apple as a result. Uh, it also is very important, I think, for the overall operating system in iOS to have these tight controls on it, because otherwise you're talking about uh, the ability for uh, these applications to do things with the OS that perhaps you wouldn't want. And I think there, the, the model that Apple has created is, is certainly a unique one, as you point out, but one that is uh, suitable for the type of device that this is, the type of operating system that it is, and I think just makes sense for it to be in place. I don't know that everyone would necessarily agree with that. Clearly, the Supreme Court wants to see this thing play out. Um, and when I say settlement, I guess maybe the uh, a better way to put it would be, uh, I think there could be some concessions here unless Apple can make a really compelling case that they have, in fact, the right setup for the system that they have. Uh, but otherwise, I think there could be some concessions that they need to, to make here uh, in order to, uh, to keep running it in the way that they do. But we'll uh, keep an eye on it. Again, this could take years to, to proceed, but uh, certainly an interesting one to, uh, to see. Well, in UK network news, the 5G rollout timeline was unknown up until this week when Vodafone announced its launch plans. Vodafone says service will launch in seven cities across the UK starting July 3rd. Vodafone will also offer 5G roaming in the UK, Germany, Italy, and Spain over the summer. 
As in the U.S., the initial 5G rollout will be limited to a handful of cities. Those include Birmingham, Bristol, Cardiff, Glasgow, Manchester, Liverpool, and of course London. Uh, those will be the first to receive the service with uh, the expected launch of additional cities to come. Uh, of course, there will also be uh, some spottiness to the network when it first launches. Uh, though the good news is Vodafone says it won't charge anything extra for access to the 5G network. Speaking of 5G, the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G has uh, been out now for a little bit, and speed tests are being carried out on the Verizon network in Chicago by various outlets. Now they're showing that this device and the service of 5G from Verizon delivering impressive speeds. That is, of course, if you can manage to get a 5G signal. Digital Trends had reported back in April that the Moto Z3 with the Moto Mod was averaging download speeds of about 450 megabits per second. Not bad, uh, but the highest download speed they hit uh, with the same speed test app uh, on the um, or excuse me the Samsung Galaxy S10 5G 1.35 gigabits per se- per second. They said it, it took just 93 seconds to download the entire season of Sneaky Pete, which is 10 episodes, and that was from Amazon Prime Video. They said it took 23 seconds to download PUBG, which is mobile from the Gal- or a game from the Galaxy Store. That's around 1.86 gigabytes, and it took 30 seconds to download one episode of The Flash from Netflix. Uh, now, as we know, the first issue uh, with millimeter wave 5G is, of course, that range. And, of course, coverage then, as a result, is limited. Signals don't penetrate walls. Again, from Digital Trends, they said a 5G node in Chicago can only deliver 5G speeds for about a block and a half. LTE is not going anywhere anytime soon. 5G is meant to complement it, at least for the next few years. And this also means that if you walk into a restaurant on the same block as the node, you will no longer see 5G service. Verizon says standing right next to the node won't deliver better results. Directly opposite is not ideal either, as it couldn't connect to 5G at all. This is because the node is shooting 5G parallel to a street. Uh, And as the network matures, beamforming technology will help target 5G straight to your phone, so it shouldn't be as big of an issue moving forward. But it's not just walls that can block the signal. Again, uh, Digital uh, Trend says, if you cover up all sides of the S10 5G with your hands, you won't be able to connect to 5G either. It'll just stay on LTE. This is due to the positioning of the antennas in the phone itself. So for the most part, holding the phone normally with one hand will not give you any trouble. Uh, but you will see faster speeds if you shift your fingers around the phone, including towards the middle and don't block much of the top or the bottom. Ultimately, the site reporting uh, that the 5G speed benefits uh, are is too soon to really talk about as being uh, to, to the benefit. And given the number of places that it's available, i.e. not many, the fact that you can't use it in all of the places, including uh, inside buildings or even when you're outside and holding it in a certain way uh, means that uh, the speed benefit is too theoretical uh, to be considered a benefit at this point. I mean, and we knew that this was going to be the case with this kind of spectrum uh, that they're using for that. And it, it is kind of baffling that the carriers decided this was the way to go because of, uh, you know, with the 5G, because I, I, I just don't quite understand how they're going to overcome some of these uh, physical, uh, you know, the the laws of physics here with the this particular frequencies. It seems like it's going to take a very long time with uh, this type of infrastructure that's going to be required. And um, a long time could be, I mean, we're, we're obviously measuring this in years, um, but it could be, you know, we're talking more like a decade before we see a network that's robust enough to be considered mature. And that is something that it, we didn't see with uh, 4G. Um, it's It's been, call it nine years since 4G rolled out. But really, you think about how long it's been ubiquitous. And we've been there for a good three or four years at this point. So it, it's a matter of moving forward. How are they going to supplement 
um, the uh, the 4G network in a way that's meaningful and uh, it, it, it feels like we're, we're doing it in places that make sense, uh, throwing up some, some you know, a- antennas, some access points uh, along a street and pointing the signal up and down the street is not really going to be helpful for too many people except for the person walking on that block. It doesn't benefit the people inside any of the businesses or residences along that block. It uh, will only sort of benefit the vehicles because, again, you're inside a vehicle and that's going to cause havoc as well. So it, it's, it's to a, a limited benefit. So uh, it's going to take a long time uh, when you think about this, if it only goes a block, block and a half in a major city, you're going to need to put these things every block, block and a half, but then also design them in a way that it's not just uh, sending out the signal uh, on the parallel to the street, but also kind of all around it. And even then we still have issues going inside of buildings and whatnot. So um, it, this is, this is again, a, a very, um, you know, crazy amount of infrastructure that's going to go in. And this is why this is not the only t- uh, frequencies that are going to be used uh, for the network. But ultimately, everything else is being used for 4G right now that is owned by these carriers. And so they're just trying to figure out how they can, I think, theoretically use uh, this millimeter wave technology uh, to their advantage. And so, uh, again, a lot of uh, theoretical advantages at this point, uh, and ultimately not something where you're going to walk out with a 5G device out of the store and be using it other than in a few select places. Well, it's June 6th meeting. The FCC will consider new rules giving phone companies greater power to block robocalls. Companies would be allowed to completely block calls before they reach a customer's phone based on any reasonable analytics designed to identify unwarranted calls. To make this the default behavior for all customers, companies could also send such calls directly to voicemail. The new rules would also allow companies to block calls that fall, uh, fail shaken and stir authentication, the new protocol designed to fight number spoofing. Consumers would have the option to opt out of call blocking. A further rule would permit blocking all calls from a number on the customer's, uh, the customers not on the customer's contact list, although this service could be opt-in and not the default. So uh, a few, uh, a couple months ago, Verizon made their um, their spam call blocking service available for free, which was a previous like I think it was four dollars a month, and then there was also a nine dollar a month version of it. They backed it down, so now there's a free the the the, the basic version's free, and then the other one's like five dollars a month to get the higher, more premium version of it. But they also added it to the business lines. So I turned that feature on a few weeks ago. And I've been testing it out, and I got the first potential uh, spam call notification on my phone just this week. Uh, I, of course, did not answer it, but also I had turned on the call blocking feature of like you know block robocalls, block suspected spam calls, block you know uh, you know block everything as possible. And I have literally gotten you know no no robocalls, nothing. It's been, the phone's been silent except for actual legitimate calls. And so it's a very nice uh, feature to have. It is interesting because I, uh, it's a different uh, kind of spam than email where email you're, um, you're sending out, blasting out a message and, uh, you know, that's if got to get hung up in a filter. This is calling a very, you know, it's calling a very specific uh, phone number. And uh, I, I wonder if there are other, if there are types of services that are going to be put in place, whether by the carriers themselves or potentially by third parties, uh, that will help to identify uh, and and block this stuff in a in a more meaningful way. So it talks about this idea of uh, basically whitelisting phone calls and not allowing any calls come through. But say you've got a, a, a I don't know, I'll just make a, a 
an example, you've got a dentist appointment, the dentist calls you and you don't happen to have that number in your phone book. Is there a way to uh, address that in a, in a kind of a process that is not going to be onerous for either party? So does the, I, I've seen this, I got a, an email this week from somebody uh, and I responded to it. And when I responded, I got an email back saying this person's contacts or something you had to go in and, and verify your email address. And um, it was, it was a very simple process to just click a link and I was, it was done. Um, it, uh, it basically, it was one extra step, you know, call it 10 seconds of my time in order to make this happen. If there's a way to do it where you get a call, almost like a, a Google voice, you know, uh, uh, screening service where it says, you know, you have to say your name or press a button or something like that, that might go a long way as well. But, um, it, there's obviously it would, it'd be nice to not even have that kind of stuff show up at all. Uh, and just say, well, any any of these suspected scam numbers and you know robocalls can just be blocked. But um, it, it's a kind of a, a network based approach to it. You've got to have all the all the carriers, I think, working together in order to make it uh, go right. So that's this is where these standards come in. Moving on to some carrier news, Sprint's first 5G phone, the LG V50 ThinQ 5G, will be launching. On May 31st, pre-orders started on Friday, May 17th, with the company offering special pre-order pricing on the LG V50. 50% off or $24 a month with a Sprint Flex lease. The company is also offering a 5G mobile hotspot from HTC. Sprint's initial 5G coverage includes Atlanta, Dallas, Houston, and Kansas City. And in the next uh, few weeks, they'll be switching on Chicago, LA, New York, Phoenix, and Washington, D.C. Sprint's initial 5G network uses Band 41, which is near 2,500 megahertz, offering much better coverage and building penetration than the millimeter wave bands of both Verizon and AT&T for their initial 5G networks. Sprint is offering a free three-month trial of the Hatch game streaming service on its 5G phones, including that LG V50. In device news, Metro by T-Mobile launching the CoolPad Legacy on Monday. This is a $130 Android phone with a 6.36-inch screen and several features not usually found on phones. Uh, the uh, metal frame is uh, got a Gorilla Glass 3 front, fingerprint reader, full HD display, and a 2 by one aspect ratio. A 4,000 milliamp hour battery can be quick charged th- by uh, the 3.0 fast charging standard, and it does have USB-C for the connection and runs on Android 9 Pi. It also offers dual rear cameras, an FM radio, and dual band Wi-Fi. It's powered by a Snapdragon 450 processor, 3 gigs of RAM, 32 gigs of storage, and a memory card slot. The phone is on sale starting right away. Well, the new OnePlus 7 Pro was announced this week. It features top-end specs and features such as three rear cameras and a notchless 6.67-inch Quad HD AMOLED display. It's got HDR10 Plus and a 90 hertz refresh rate and in the design with a new pop-up selfie camera and a glass back that's just 8.8 millimeters thick. OnePlus announced the phone at events around the world this week and it's powered by a Snapdragon 855 processor with either uh, 6 or 12 gigs of RAM. It's got three rear cameras including a 48 megapixel main camera with OIS and an f1.6 aperture. It also has a 16 megapixel wide camera and 8 megapixel telephoto camera. It supports slow motion at 1080p at 240 frames per second, portrait mode, automatic scene detection, and raw mode. The pop-up front camera clocks uh, a 16-megapixel sensor with f2.0 aperture. It retracts automatically if the phone is dropped. Uh, The fingerprint reader is uh, embedded in the display. It's got a 4,000 milliamp-hour battery with Warp Charge 30 for fast charging uh, at up to... 
uh, what does it be, 6 amps. Uh, instead of a 3.5 millimeter audio jack, it supports audio over USB-C. His Cat 18 LTE, NFC, and stereo speakers. T-Mobile will launch the phone on Friday, May 17th, uh, and will also be uh, rolling this device out online as well. Uh, the uh, company is announcing the OnePlus 7 model, the non-pro uh, that is coming to the U.S. Uh, you know, it's amazing some of these Android specs that we're seeing. And, uh, you know, when you get the um, the companies that are a little bit, I'll just say smaller, have a smaller distribution rather, um, they have, uh, they can be a little bit more nimble with these things and really kind of ratchet up these specs. I mean, this is a highly spec device, top of the line processor, up to 12 gigs of RAM. The computer doesn't even have 12 gigs of RAM. No, uh, not even close. It, 48 megapixel camera, uh, and, you know, and charging that's basically as, as fast um, as uh, it's because it's six amps at five volts, so that's uh, a thirty watt charger, right? So that's a yeah. that's faster than the iPad charger. So exactly, uh, this thing is uh, is built for the future, uh, and very interesting to see how they can just slam so much into these devices. Well, the Asus Zenfone Six is the company's new flagship. It's got a six point four inch full HD display covering. Uh, that covers the front without a notch. It's got a motorized dual camera module that flips up from the back to double as the selfie camera. The camera motor can also be used to track subjects while shooting, video, or automate a panorama, and the camera angle can be controlled manually as well. That also has a 48-megapixel Sony main sensor with laser focusing, plus a 13-megapixel wide-angle or 125-degree camera. The phone is powered by a Qualcomm Snapdragon 855 processor, 8 gigs of RAM, a 5,000 milliamp hour battery with NFC rear fingerprint reader and stereo speakers. That'll be compatible with U.S. networks and pricing starting at $560. French phone maker Wiko is entering the U.S. market coming this month. A statement on their new U.S. website states that they're partnering with uh, the leading mobile carriers to offer a smartphone created to simplify your life at an affordable price. The company already sells its phones in more than 30 countries in Europe, Africa, uh, the Middle East, and Asia. The new at Wiko USA Twitter account less, lists Plano, Texas as the company's location. In software news, Apple Monday releasing iOS 12.3 along with watchOS 5.2.1, macOS Mojave 10.14.5, and tvOS 12.3. Uh, at the top of the uh, new releases is the new TV application for iOS 12.3 and tvOS 12.3, as well as Apple software, TV software 7.3. The new TV application includes Apple TV channels, a feature that simplifies streaming video subscription services by bringing them all together into a single app. The billing is handled by Apple, and all of the content is hosted by Apple and viewed in the TV application itself. Now, at launch, Apple TV channels support HBO, Showtime, Stars, Cinemax, Epix, Smithsonian, Acorn TV, and more. And as time progresses, we can expect to see more services to be added. Most of the services include free trial periods. HBO specifically is unique because it includes support for downloading content offline iOS 12.3 also features bug fixes and improvements for Apple News Plus, Apple Music, Apple TV Remote, AirPlay 2, CarPlay, and more. WatchOS 5.2.1 will further expand the ECG and irregular heartbeat notifications of Apple Watch to Poland, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, Croatia, and Iceland. Uh, with these releases now available to the public, attention will now shift to iOS 13, WatchOS 6, tvOS 13, and macOS 10.15. Uh, each uh, of these updates will be unveiled at WWDC in June. Now, uh, we talk about these updates, uh, you know, when we get them, and uh, I always get them kind of right away. Um, it was actually probably about 12 hours uh, after they came out when I finally realized that they were available. 
so it wasn't within you know sometimes minutes of doing it. So I guess there was enough time for them to get pulled if there were issues. Uh, but I got everything updated. Everything uh, seems to be functioning as it should be. We're at this point now with a, a, a you know a, a third point release. Uh, where there's not obviously much changing. Most of the initial bugs have been worked out um, and uh, ultimately at a, a point now where we are going to see a new version of the operating system come out next month uh, or be it announced next month. It'll come out in the fall, uh, but we're kind of in those final months of in, in the most stable version of this operating system, and uh, which is good for consumers because you kind of get that, we're in that, that, we get six months of a little bit of instability, we get a couple of months of a lot of instability, a couple of months of less instability, and now we're relatively stable in the operating system, at least as far as how, mu- how stable we are going to be at all. Uh, and so it, it's a good period here, and uh, this is going to obviously be, uh, I think, the last one. I guess they're, they're, they are doing betas of uh, 12.4 at this point, um, but uh, who knows if that's going to actually make its way out to, uh, to consumers before the release of iOS 13. Yeah, and it probably will because there's probably still, you know, security fixes that need to be done. And that, that's usually what happens. But uh, it, it's one of those things I just haven't gotten around to installing it yet, Mickey, because I usually now wait a few weeks before these things because I just it, it just doesn't really matter that much at this point to jump on it. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. Um, it also is uh, is one of those things where when you see that badge notification that says you've got an update, um, I think a lot of people just kind of wait it out or, you know, there are, if you haven't checked the automatically update, you just, to your point, you just haven't got around to it yet. You don't want to take the time to, you know, let it do its thing and reboot the phone. You're not in, you know, great Wi-Fi coverage or whatever it is. So a lot of different reasons for not doing it. Right. Even my iPad's still on 12.1. I haven't even put the... Uh, 12.2 on yet. Jeez, crazy. Uh, but uh, we uh, we move on, and uh, the so does the operating systems. And uh, like I said, it's it's been relatively stable. I've not had any issues with it. In other Apple software news, VP of Apple Play Jennifer Bailey on Monday announcing a new NFC feature for iPhones, special tags that trigger Apple Pay purchases when tapped without the need to download a special app. The company is partnering with Bird Scooters, Bonobos Clothing, and pay-by-phone parking meters for the initial rollout. Apple also announcing the what's in that what's that's inside the wallet app users will soon be able to sign up for loyalty cards in one tap presented to users as recommendations when they make eligible purchases. So currently physical Apple Pay transactions require terminals that like those you find at retail store checkouts. With the new support, the iPhone will know how to read a specially encoded NFC tag that can be uh, as uh, uh, be inserted as a sticker and automatically show the Apple Pay purchase interface when the user holds the device near it. No third-party apps or other setup is required. So the example that they used is a user can top up a scooter that they rent by tapping their phone or watch on the NFC sticker on that biker scooter. For Bonobos, it will enable enable simpler self-service shopping with the ability to place NFC tags directly onto clothing rails. And the new Apple Pay features will be rolling out later this year. I uh, I'm looking forward to you know what the, more they can do with Apple Pay. Obviously, it's it's you know pretty limited in the single function of you know you tap it and it, it pays for uh, whatever it is that's been displayed on the reader. Um, I, I kind of love this idea that you can go into a store and say I want to buy that and literally tap it. And uh, and with the example of Bonobos. Um, you are you have to basically wait for it to get shipped to you. They only have one kind of version of every piece of clothing in the store. Uh, I shouldn't say that, like exclusively, but for some of it, like the pants, you got to try them on and then they ship them directly to you. And uh, it would be nice to, if you know what you need, to be able to just, you know, if you, hey, I want to go check out this pair of pants. I like them. I know my size. I can tap on it and, and, it, and it orders for me automatically, which is pretty great. 
Um, you know, I had an interesting Apple Pay experience yesterday where uh, I was stopping to pick up a pizza and uh, whereas uh, they, they had a terminal that had Apple Pay enabled and uh, my transaction, my Apple Pay transaction actually froze both the terminal and their computer system. And they had to, this was at a Domino's and they had to reboot the computer and take me back to, actually they had to take my credit card and go to a different terminal. And uh, no idea what was happening. I, I don't believe there are any issues specifically with them on this. It was just a very strange thing. And uh, they were, there was a lot of confusion about the fact that the, the terminal had locked up and the transaction didn't go through. Right, that's weird too. And there's like um, a gas uh, station chain up here in Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, Quick Trip, and they've got uh, NFC readers on their gas pumps now. But I've discovered they're exceptionally um, goofy. One gas pump uh, at the same gas station will take my American Express on my Apple Watch, but not the Discover and not a Visa. And then another pump will actually take one and not the other. And then one of the other pumps doesn't even none of them work. And it's been like this now for a year and a half. And it's it's frustrating because make this stuff work. I don't think they have any way to test this. And of course, the uh, the manufacturers, which, you know, this particular one is a. Um, uh, vote of uh, what's that? What's that company that makes them all? Uh, the, it's that same you know terminal company, Verifone. Uh, that makes yeah, Verifone. That's the one. Um, it, it and I'm like, can't they test these things out and make sure these work with you know the cards they're supposed to? It's just it's it's frustrating. You know the and the, and the rollout is it, it obviously takes is taking time to happen as well from the terminal perspective because this is expensive equipment. It's it's not cheap to upgrade this stuff, and so. You're trying to make a decision on whether or not this is something that it, it, you're going to see incremental value added to your business as a result of adding this. And uh, in the example of, of a gas station, how, how could it? I mean, you're buying gas at a certain price uh, that is kind of almost market driven, not by that operator. So if you have to spend... Um, I'll just throw out a number, a couple of grand uh, to update each of these terminals. What What is that going to do? Where's the value that's going to be created for there? It, it just, it's not there. And so I think that's a big part of why this happens. Now, if you're upgrading your entire POS system, that's a whole different story. Of course, you want to get the latest and greatest. Um, there's also some PCI compliance stuff that goes into it as well. And uh, so when it's time to upgrade, you are trying to make a decision on on whether or not to do it at that point. Um, and, uh, but again, if you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, trying to value engineer uh, some solutions and you're trying to decide, does it matter if someone can use their watch or their phone to pay versus just sticking in a credit card and uh, a low margin business, oftentimes that answer is going to be no. Uh, for you baseball fans out there, the official MLB at bat app has been given a major update this week with new DVR style functionality and the choice of audio streams. First, MLB Live TV Rewind lets you control your MLB.tv stream with DVR-like features. Pause and resume, scrub into past action, watch with a delay, or jump back to live at any time. Uh, for alternate audio, the app lets you listen to your favorite radio announcers while watching both live and archived MLB.tv streams, or cut the commentary out completely and listen to the natural sounds of the game in the ballpark with the park audio option. You can access these audio overlay options via the TV icon at the top right of any MLB.tv stream. MLB at bat is a free download from the app store with in-app subscriptions required for most content at either $2.99 a month or $20 per year. And the Streamlink application, which lets you play stream games on your PC or Mac remotely or another device such as an iPhone, uh, is now available for iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV. 
Unlike the Android version, it does not support new game purchases with the Streamlink application to comply with Apple's App Store rules. The app, though, does support Bluetooth game controllers. And finally today, Microsoft is working on a new Minecraft game for phones that uses AR to overlay Minecraft as a persistent, massively multiplayer game over the entire planet. Players will be able to build into Minecraft blocks anywhere in the public. Uh, Players will be able to then see avatars of other players and collaborate. Adventure challenges will pop up in the game and rewards like treasure and rare blocks. Microsoft says it will kick off the closed beta of Minecraft Earth this summer on iOS and Android. Microsoft is also uh, starting with select locations before eventually expanding the game to be truly global. Well, that's it for us this week. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or give us a call 650-999-0524 and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much. As always, for your time, we'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.